Welcome to the online service of Life Church St. Louis. I'd encourage us to let us know that you're watching in the comments and share the message with a friend. Let's begin with Psalm 96, verses 1 and 3. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. So let's begin with prayer today. Father, we thank you that you're with us even as we worship uh, separated physically from one another. Uh, we thank you that you put a new song in our hearts, a song of joy. Uh, in the midst of a crisis, you give us joy and you put a song in our hearts. We pray, God, that we would declare your salvation, that your salvation would be declared across the world, around the world, even this day as believers assemble and worship in many countries. We thank you for what you're going to teach us today through your word, how you're going to encourage us and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a message series called Prophetic Living, and in this series from the life of the prophet Samuel, we're learning how to live in challenging times. Today, my message is entitled Facing Crisis, Facing Crisis. Now, one of the things that, that we don't talk a, about a lot is the testing of God. God allows various things to come into our lives to test us. And I believe that the current crisis is a, is a test that God has allowed in our city, in our state, nation, and even our world. And this crisis has impacted every one of us, even though we may never be infected by the virus. So how should we react to the testing of God? This morning I'd like us to look at a scripture passage from the book of James. James 1 verse 2 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And so this verse tells us, talks about meeting trials. And surely our current crisis is a trial. And yet James tells us to count it all joy when we face all kinds of trials. Now that's not our normal reaction. Our, our normal reaction is, is when we meet a trial is not joy, but worry, fear, or despair. So how can we meet a trial or a crisis with joy? Well, James gives us the answer in the next verses, verses 3 and 4. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so here we begin to see the purpose of the trials that God allows into our lives. A trial is a test of our faith. And when you are tested, your faith can either pass the test or, or fail the test. If you keep on trusting God and believing in Him throughout the trial, then you pass the test. But if you lose your faith, if you no longer trust in God because of the trial, you, you fail the test. But God wants us to pass the test that He allows into our lives. And as you continue to trust God in the midst of crisis, you will grow in steadfastness, or we might say perseverance. And the ultimate outcome of passing the task of continuing to trust God, of persevering, is that you become stronger. You become more mature. You become complete in God. And that's why we can have joy in the midst of a crisis. 
a trial or a testing because we can see the outcome that God wants it to have for our lives. And so in the midst of our current crisis, as hard as it may seem to be, let's, let's rejoice. Rejoice that God is in control. Rejoice that he wants to work good in our lives as we continue to trust him and so pass this testing of our faith. Now today we're going to continue with the story of the prophet Samuel, but really the main character in our story today is King Saul. Saul was chosen by God through the prophet Samuel to be Israel's king. And we're going to see the crisis that King Saul was tested with. Now, unfortunately, King Saul failed the test. And so we're going to learn from his negative example how not to face a test. Rather, we're going to learn how to pass the test that God allows into our lives, including this present crisis that is facing our world. So the first lesson we can learn is to continue to follow God in the midst of crisis. Our story begins in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 2. It says, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul and Michmash in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan and Jibiah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. And so our story begins with Saul having a small army of 2,000 men. His son Jonathan had another 1,000. And, and Jonathan with his army, attacked and defeated a garrison of the Philistines, an enemy of Israel. Well, obviously that did not please the Philistines, and so they intended to make Israel pay for their defeat. And so a crisis was beginning to develop. And Saul needed to learn not to give in to fear. But as we'll see, that's not what he did. The story continues in verse 5. It says, And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sands on the seashore in multitude. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard-pressed, the people hid themselves. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And so the army that the Philistines gathered was enormous. They had ten times more chariots as Israel had ground troops, they also had horsemen, thousands of horsemen, and myriads of other troops. And when the people of Israel saw these enemy troops massing, they were afraid. They began to hide themselves from the upcoming battle. And even those that were continuing to follow Saul were, were trembling with fear. Now, the prophet Samuel had previously given Saul a detailed command from the Lord. It's recorded in 1 Samuel Chapter 10, verse 8. And the essence of those commands was that Saul was supposed to go to Gilgal and wait seven days for the prophet Samuel to join him. When Samuel came, Samuel was going to offer sacrifices to the Lord and give Saul further instructions. But the Philistines were preparing to attack. What should Saul do? Well, he should obey God's command. He shouldn't disobey God's command. But let's see what he did in verse 8. He, that is Saul, waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. 
And so Samuel had not arrived as the seventh day dawned. The troops with Saul were afraid of the coming conflict, and they were leaving him and going into hiding. Saul didn't know what to do, and so he decided to take matters into his own hands, not to continue to wait for Samuel, not to continue to wait for Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice. And so he offered the sacrifices himself to the Lord in disobedience to the Lord's command through Samuel. And just as Saul had finished offering up these sacrifices, who should appear but Samuel? And Samuel spoke to Saul in verse 13. He said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. And so Samuel pointed out that clearly Saul had not passed God's test of keeping the Lord's command. God had ordained that the king should receive commands through a prophet, in this case the prophet Samuel. Saul had heard the command, he understood what it was, but out of fear, he had not obeyed the command. And the result would be that Saul's kingdom would not now continue through his son Jonathan. Saul had not followed God in crisis. He had not waited patiently, but had given into fear. And so the passage in James 1 that we read at the beginning of the message goes on to say that God will give wisdom to each person who asks what to do in the midst of trials. Now in our current crisis, there is, there is uncertainty at every level. Government guidelines are changing on a daily basis. They impact our lives. They impact our jobs. They impact our church. And we must learn not to give in to fear or worry. Rather, we must simply ask God for wisdom. And the scripture says that if we ask for wisdom and faith, God will give us those, that wisdom. He will give us the instructions as to how to act, how to live, and what to do. And sometimes God's instructions to us are simply to wait, to be patient for him to bring the next step into our lives. Don't take matters into your own hands if God has not directed you. And part of following God's commands, God's instructions is simply to follow the instructions of the authorities that God has put over us in our counties, in our cities, in our state, in our nation. God's word clearly commands us to be in submission to the authorities he's put over us. And as we follow God's instructions, he'll bring peace into our lives. He'll bring joy into our lives. Now, sometimes God tests us with another type of trial. And we need to learn also to follow God in victory or, I might say, success. Because before this crisis hit, Things were going quite well in our country. And one day this crisis will be over. And we will have success in our lives. Things will get back to normal. So we need to learn to follow God in victory or success. Let's continue with our story of God working in Saul's life. God commanded Saul... In chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, verse 3, he says, Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. 
Now, for the sake of the time limits of this message, we're not going to be talking about 1 Samuel 14. But we, in that chapter, we learn that God gave King Saul victory over the Philistines. It was a miracle. And now in chapter 15, Samuel gives Saul another specific instruction from the Lord. He is to defeat the people or nation of Amalek and destroy each person and all the livestock. Why? Because of their attacks on Israel as they came out of Egypt. It was, uh, Saul was to carry out God's judgment on Amalek. God's command was clear. It was complete. But Saul needed to learn not to be prideful in success. Verse 4 of 1 Samuel 15, it says, So Saul summoned the people and numbered them in Telam, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. So at this time now, Saul's army was far larger than when he just had 2,000 men. Now he had 210,000 warriors. Most likely, Saul reckoned that this victory would be relatively easy. Nobody was trembling in fear. Nobody was scattering. Everybody was confident. And the scripture records that Saul and his army completely defeated the Malachites. And yet, God's command was to do more than just to defeat them. His command was to devote them to destruction, meaning that every living thing must be killed with no exceptions. Saul mustn't take what was God's. Let's see what Saul did in verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag, who was the king of the Amalekites, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fattened calves, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. And so Saul killed all of the Amalekites except their king, King Agag. And he spared the best of the livestock while killing the livestock of lesser value. And so we see that Saul had partially obeyed God, but he had not completely obeyed. In essence, he, he had taken some of what was meant to be destroyed for himself and for his purposes. And why did he do that? Well, we'll look at that in more detail in the next point. And so, victory or success can be just as much a testing of our faith as a crisis. And so, in success or victory, the test of our faith is to remain humble. The test of our faith is to give the credit for our success to God rather than take it for ourselves. Now, when Saul did not obey in crisis, his disobedience brought God's judgment. And we're going to see that not obeying in times of victory, will also bring God's judgment. We can learn some lessons regarding this from the current crisis. Before this came to pass in America, business was booming. The economy was roaring. Unemployment was at record low rates. The stock market was hitting new highs. And we may have been tempted to think our success in our careers or in life had to do with our own abilities. And yet every blessing that we have comes from the Lord. And yes, we are to work hard with the abilities that God has given us, but we must remember that God is the one who gave us our abilities. God is the one who gave us our health, our strength, and our jobs. And this crisis shows us how fragile, how helpless mankind is without God's help. 
we are being brought to our knees, as it were, by an invisible virus that came from the other side of the world. One day, the crisis will be over. God will help us make it through and we'll get back to normal. But we must continue to learn to follow God in humility, even when things are going well. Let's continue our story in 1 Samuel 15, verse 12. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And so we see Saul's attitude here. He was quite pleased with himself for the victory over the Malachites. Rather than giving God the glory, what did he do? He built a monument for himself. As we'll see, Saul had no idea, he had no conception that he had disobeyed God's command. It was apparent that, it is apparent that Saul had allowed himself to become very prideful over this victory, thinking that he had accomplished it by his own strength, by his own wisdom. And so God then sent the prophet Samuel to confront Saul and teach him and us today the lesson that we mustn't seek to justify our disobedience or sin. And so Samuel speaks to Saul in verse 19. He says, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And so Samuel immediately rebukes Saul for his disobedience to the Lord's command. And Saul attempted to justify his actions, saying, well, I have obeyed God. And he listed the things that he had done. And yes, Saul had done some of the things God had commanded. It was true that Saul had killed all of the Malachites, but he had not killed every last one. He had not killed the king. His obedience was partial, not complete. Saul next blames the keeping of the livestock as an action of the people. They did it, not taking responsibility as the king, as the leader. And then he says that they kept them in order to sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, your God, speaking to Samuel, rather than my God. Something was wrong in the heart of Saul. He had not been obeying the Lord completely. And Samuel points out to Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. Verse 22, and Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And so Samuel teaches Saul and us that obedience to the Lord's command is of the greatest importance. The fact that this disobedience of Saul would have increased the sacrifices to the Lord was, was of no relevance. And so this disobedience of Saul was characterized by Samuel as, as rebellion and presumption. 
Saul had decided on his own that his way of doing things was better than God's direction. That is the sin of rebellion. He assumed that God didn't care about partial obedience. As long as he did 90%, it was okay, but that was the sin of presumption. And the end result was that not only would Saul's descendants not continue his kingdom, now he would ultimately be removed from being king of Israel. That was God's judgment on him for disobedience. God would appoint another king to take his place, a king who would obey the Lord completely. And even when he sinned, he would repent and acknowledge his sin with a humble heart. And that king would eventually be King David. So what can we learn from Saul's negative example of not following the God in humility? We must believe that God's plans for our lives are the best. Better than anything that we could plan. God is sovereign and he can work even the bad things of life into something good for those who follow him in complete obedience. God requires obedience whether we're being tested by crisis or being tested with success. If we disobey God's instructions and it's brought to our attention, we must humbly repent and get back on track with God. We mustn't justify our sin. We mustn't follow the crowd or seek to blame other people or make our own plans. We must simply follow God's plan for our lives. We must simply obey God and then we'll pass the test and God will bring blessing into our lives into our families, into our churches, into our cities, our nation. And he'll bring blessing that's going to last for eternity. And so this current crisis is a time of testing for all of us. And my prayer this morning is that God would replace any fear, any worry, any anxiety in our lives with joy. We can have that joy as we trust that God has a plan for our lives and simply seek to follow God's plan and His instructions. To follow God's plan requires humbly admitting we don't know what's best for us, but God does. In the promise in James chapter 1, I encourage you to read that along with these passages from 1 Samuel this week, is that if we ask for wisdom in a trial, in a crisis from God, if we ask in faith, God will give us the wisdom that we need. Even though God's plan may not be the easiest road, it's the right road. It's the road that leads to fulfilling His purpose for our lives. And as we follow God's plan, He will bless us and help us to be a blessing to others. Now, the first plan that God has for each and every person on this earth, the first decision that he wants every person to make is to become a believer in Jesus Christ. To become a believer in Jesus Christ changes the whole direction of your life. To become a believer in Jesus Christ involves admitting that you've sinned. Turning away, repenting of that sin, asking for God's forgiveness, believing in Jesus Christ, believing that He died on the cross and took the penalty for your sin 
and paid the price so that you could be forgiven. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And we commit our lives to following him as our Lord and Savior. So we admit our sin, we believe in Jesus, and we commit our lives to following him. This is the first step to having peace in your life, to living a life of joy, a life free of worry, a life free of anxiety. So if you never prayed a prayer like this before, we're going to pray. Or perhaps you've prayed it in the past and you feel like you've strayed from the Lord. This would be a great time to recommit your life to Him as well. So just pray along with me as you listen to this message online. And God will hear your prayer and He will answer. So let's pray together. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've, I've done wrong things. Wrong things of all kinds. And I ask for your forgiveness. I repent. I turn away from those things. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, that I might be forgiven. Forgive me. Come into my life. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive today and I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior from this day onward. Thank you for coming into my life. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for what you've taught us this morning from the life of Saul. Thank you for the prophetic voices that you put into our lives so that we can hear from you just as Samuel spoke for you thousands of years ago. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for other believers that speak into our lives. Give us the courage to follow your plan, to follow your instructions in this season of crisis. Enable us, God, we pray, to find joy even in this difficult season where our plans are being turned upside down. Forgive us for the times when we've tried to make our own way apart from you. We ask that you direct us back to the path that you have for our lives. A path of blessing. A path of peace. Use us to bless others in this difficult time with your love. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This week, our... Stewardship scripture is Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. It says, Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so even in the tough times like we are in today, God wants us to learn to be content with trusting Him to supply our needs. And as we trust Him, He will provide so that you can continue, so your needs can continue to be met. And you can also give to support our church, the missionaries that we support around the world. Online giving is available at lifechurchstlouis.org slash give. Checks can be mailed into the church office at 15036 Clayton Road, Chesterfield, 63017. We thank you for all those who are continuing to faithfully give to God 
support our church family and missionaries in this difficult season. If you're watching this service on Facebook, Sunday at 10 a.m., encourage you to click the link in the Facebook post to join a Zoom video conference with myself at around 10.30. And in this video conference, we'll have an opportunity for your prayer request to be prayed for, to discuss the message, and to talk among ourselves. It'll be a great time of getting together in this season where we are physically separated. So we encourage you uh, to uh, click the link there, follow the directions, and get on with the video conference. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and rest of the week.